This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Russian military officials say that it's looking into whether one of its airstrikes has killed a prominent leader in ISIS. The military says they struck a meeting of ISIL officials that may have uh, hit the leader back on May 28th. To talk more about all of this, John Thompson is with us, Security Consultant, Strategic Intelligence Group, and he is with us now. Hello, John. How are you today? Not bad, Scott. Staying cool for the moment. Yourself? Uh, Same. Uh, Thank you for taking the time. Much appreciated. So what are your thoughts when you hear reports from this? What are we to believe and not believe? Well, if you look back to the the roots of ISIL back when it was the uh, the Al-Qaeda franchise, uh, in our in Iraq, uh, and their first leader um, uh, Al Zarqawi, and his death was uh, frequently reported too until it was finally confirmed. Um, and then again, I mean, it was the same thing actually, except this time it was the Americans that uh, arranged uh, that figured out where a meeting was going to be held of the leadership, and when they all assembled in the house to uh, discuss their plans, dropped a uh, 250 pound bomb on the roof. Hmm. Uh, so it appears, uh, w- well, w- any idea when we will have confirmation of this? It, um, normally ISIS uh, or ISIL will confirm uh, the deaths of major, major leaders, and they haven't yet, which is one of the reasons why we're still wondering if they really got them or not. The other thing, of course, is to uh, hope that you can actually get DNA evidence that uh, says, yep, he's dead, and this is the proof. Why would Russia be talking about this until there is guarantees? They're pretty sure they got them. Um, and, and they did the same thing the Americans did. Was they, they waited until there was a high-level uh, uh, meeting of uh, the leaders of the group and then, again, plastered the building with uh, bombs. Uh, so uh, this is a good thing, then. Does this mean Russia and the rest of the world are on the same side? Well, actually, uh, ISIS has sort of got, I mean... There's this really loose association of people that uh, don't like ISIS, and, and they're trying to do their best to nobble it. Uh, and that, of course, includes you know, uh, Bashir al-Assad, includes the United States, it includes uh, Britain, uh, includes Iran, includes Russia. It, it's uh, uh, Nobody loves them. They're, they're danger to everybody. Uh, what about Assad? How does he feel about all of this? Uh, how does, the, does this change his... Uh, his trajectory at all? Well, ISIS is one of the factions he has to worry about. He's got a couple of others that are still hanging tough that he hasn't been able to deal with yet, including the official al-Qaeda franchise in in Iraq, uh, sorry, in Syria, which is combined with other uh, uh, Sunni rebels uh, against the regime. And I think the question in, in uh, in Syria, is that country ever going to be one nation again, or is it going to be a, a permanently divided, failed state? Uh, can Assad take credit for this in any way, in working with Russians? Um, I, I think it sort of worked the other way, that uh, Assad needed the help of the Russians to actually uh, win the civil war. Right. And, I mean, and the civil war is, uh, in some respects, sort of like uh, 1864 and the American Civil War, the the end is in sight, but there's going to be a lot of bloodshed before it's over. Hmm. Does this give Russia credibility? It, it does. Um, I think, actually, in, in the eyes of a lot of people, actually, the Russians had a more realistic appraisal of the situation in Syria than Washington did and came to a sad say very early on. 
Uh, and actually, uh, I think although the Russian approach to counterinsurgency is uh, a lot less discriminating and a lot more, uh, you know, there's a Russian military principle that there's nothing wrong to crack walnuts with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they've definitely weighed in and given ISIS some mighty blows. Uh, what is the U.S. reaction to these this news? Well, I think the, the Americans, the wisest of the American commentators, are again guided by um, memories of Elzar uh, Cowie and going, "We can see, you know, good news if it's true, but let's let's find out if it's true before we uh, put the party bulletins up." Uh, should they have done this? Any? What's the feeling that one did and the other one didn't? Because uh, all well, th- th- this must be like trophies in their world. Yes and no, but remember, the Americans aren't actually flying that much in the way of combat missions over Syria. What they're doing, strange as it may seem, is flying combat missions over Iraq uh, in in support of the uh, the Iraqi government. But again, it's it's weird because sometimes they're sharing the same airspace with Iranian aircraft. What about the intelligence gathering here? I mean, wouldn't this assume that uh, obviously Russia is quite on the mark with, with their intelligence how does the U.S. view that? Well, it's also a matter of different strengths. I mean, the Russians, the Russians and the Americans have always been sort of like in the, in the top three of the, the world's intelligence gathering nations. And I'd say the, the third one is the British, um, and, and they play to their own strengths. I mean, the, the Russians normally can see that the Americans are a lot better at uh, signals and electronic intelligence where the Russians are more likely to use human assets on the ground. And you know, they're, they're pretty good at it. But again, they're also a lot more ruthless about it than the Americans are. Uh, how does this affect the organization? How many leaders are, did this disrupt? ISIS could probably replace uh, its leaders. I mean, it's, that's the point about al-Qaeda. If you go back, you, know, you, you look at, say, everybody who's on the al-Qaeda command council the, uh, the year before the 9-11 attack, look at their pictures and realize how many are still among the living, and there's, there's not many. Um, and in some cases, if you look at like the, who we think is on the current uh, command council, we're sometimes looking at the replacements of the replacements of the replacements. Hmm. Uh, and ISIS is pretty much the same way. But... Um, uh, so they're prepared for the next uh, the next person to move in. They are, but uh, El Baghdadi was uh, uh, his real talents were not so much as an operational leader. It was that he was a uh, a religious leader. You know that he understood the uh, the, the Sunni theology extremely well, um, albeit from a you know a, a radical Salafist point of view. Uh, and it'll be harder for them to replace him with someone who has uh, the same sort of training and uh, religious authority. Uh, and uh, operational commanders, yeah, they can, there's always more. Uh, the reports are that uh, they struck a, a meeting that was going on, and that's how they hit this official. So any other, uh, any indicators what the collateral damage is or who else might have been hit in the same, in the same attack? Still not sure, and the Russians aren't saying very much. Of course, one of the other little ironies is if the Russians actually prove that their airstrike got him, there's a Russian pilot who will be receiving a should be receiving a paycheck from the United States for twenty five million dollars. Hmm. That's the reward on El Baghdadi, dead or alive. So will that happen? Um, 
stranger things have happened. <laughs> wow. That's... So how do you think Donald Trump's viewing all of this? Well, it, I think it really depends on how well briefed he is on this. And then again, with Trump, it's also a question of how much he actually got from the brief. Yeah. Um, th- will this change uh, views of Russia and our and uh, the Amer- uh, America's relationship with Russia? Can well, he? And I guess, in other words, can he sell this? Like, look, see what they did. They're our friends. Uh, he he might. Um, there, there are a lot of people who. Uh, I mean, the Russians have been you know a problem forever. I mean, going back to 1917, it's. It's been actually going back, period. It's always been difficult dealing with the Russians and always will be. But uh, the, uh, there was more hostility and, and relations were worse uh, towards the end of the, uh, the Obama administration than they are now. And remember, the Americans have to cooperate with the Russians, and the Russians have to cooperate with the Americans in a lot of different fields. And I'd like to see the relationship improved despite the fact that you know the Russians are being you know rotten in the Ukraine and are snarling and snapping at the at the Baltic nations but among other things let's say for example if you look at the, the late cold war um the the Soviet American relationship and all the work they did on getting nuclear weapons under control and writing the inventory down they're cooperating with each other and I'd like to see that you know that arms control regime that the two of them worked out was important for the world. And it's the sort of relationship that we want to see uh, propped back up and restored. Uh, we've asked you this before, I think, John. So could this be a uniting factor? Couldn't, you know, can, is this something to work towards? Well, in, in Meaning having this common enemy. In something this chaotic, it, it's always possible. Uh, and the Russians have occasionally, uh, even under Putin, put up signal flags saying that they'd like to be considered as partners on the war on terror, too. I mean, if you think about you know, the, uh, some of the horrific attacks that have occurred in, in Western Europe and, of course, in, in, in North America, but, but the Russians, you know, I don't think we've ever had most of our public has ever understood the full horror of what happened in best land. Uh, and also in the Bolshoi Theater. And, and the Russians do not like uh, ISIS at all, although they they are more willing to tolerate Iran. But I think they, they take a longer view of Iran and I think are in some ways looking forward to the, uh, the post-Mullah government. So will the West tolerate Russia if it means getting rid of ISIS? It'll help. Um, and, and again, I mean, it's... A success and generosity towards a success could, you know, give room to uh, uh, warm the relations up and make them a little cozier than they've been in the last few years. Uh, why exactly have they gone south in the last few years? Is this all the, you know, where, of course, uh, what happened to the, to the old USSR and Putin? I mean, how, does the, how did we get to where we are, considering the progress that was made back in the 80s? Well, actually, I, I would say you have to put about 80% of the, the blame on, on Putin himself. Uh, but again, you know, Putin also represents uh, uh, a faction of thinking inside Russia. I mean, in the broadest strokes, look at it. Russia is a, is a post-imperial nation. 
you know, their empire fell away from them in, in 1991 when the Soviet Union collapsed, and they've resented it. You know, and, and you look at the same way, say, for example, uh, you know, the French behave or some other powers in history when, you know, their empire was taken away from them and how they felt about it. Uh, and Putin sort of looked at the American supremacy um, in the 1990s when the, the Americans sort of, you know, their word was pretty well law and everything, and he resented it. And he has consistently striven to uh, uh, put sticks into the American spokes ever since. But he's also a crook and a human rights abuser, um, and it's a, it's a government of uh, it's a kleptocracy more than anything else. And of course, you look at him like, for example, he had that magnificent success of the Winter Games and the. In, uh, and then turned around and uh, invaded the Ukraine. So, I mean, he's, he's been doing dirty things to the Americans. He's been annoying the neighbors. He's not been keeping his word on some treaties. But at the same time, you know, he's still somebody that, you know, in, in, in the world, you know, we have to deal with, and it's better to be civil. How will ISIS react to this attack and uh, this leader gone if, in fact, that has happened? Well, uh, ISIS is, is, is already resilient. Uh, they, they've already been sort of seen that the tide has been tipping on them for a couple of years. Uh, so they've been, they've been setting up uh, for the, the time when they actually lose their territory in, in Iraq and Syria, although they'll hang on to it as hard as they can. But they, they've been investigating other possibilities and, of course, uh, have been percolating people, uh, especially from the volunteers who arrived from Europe, uh, so they've been percolating their volunteers back in. And this, this is one of the disturbing things um, in in the whole jihadist insurgency. If you go right back to its beginning, you know, when you, you're looking at the volunteers arriving to uh, uh, fight the Soviets in Afghanistan in the, in the 1980s, uh, the pattern was that, you know, they would get... Um, uh, if you look at Osama bin Laden and his friends when they first set up what became al-Qaeda, he attracted volunteers from all over the Islamic world, conditioned them uh, ideologically as well as giving them some training, uh, but only exposed them to a little bit of combat, enough to get them blooded and to build up their confidence. Then you sent them home. So the, the real objective uh, with al-Qaeda right from the beginning was to set up cadres of trained people back in their homelands for something else. ISIS has, I think, been doing the same thing, that you, you come, you learn something, you experience the dream, you train, you pick up some experience, and then you go home. So that there, there are cadres of trained, experienced people waiting for something else. And you have to wonder what that something else is. How will ISIS react to these uh, Russian attacks? Will they retaliate in some way? Well, ISIS would attack anybody under any circumstance. They don't need a reason. Yeah, they don't need a reason. But, you know, it's, uh, it's the usual thing of the, of the propaganda, you know, that I'm the good guy, you're the bad guy. So everything we do is a response to your provocation. So say some attack that may have been envisioned a year ago, if they finally deliver it, they'll declare that it's revenge for the, the death of al-Baghdadi. So what are you expecting to happen in the next month or so? Will we get confirmation? It's possible um, that ISIS uh, may have may have also hidden his body, and will claim that he's still around somewhere. They, they might do that too. Hmm. 
will this uh, do you think there will be discussion between America and Russia on this incident incident? If the Americans are smart and if they're generous enough to, to sort of uh, throw out a lifeline to, to the well not a lifeline, but you know throw a line to the Russians and say congratulations, well done and sort of let it be known that you know they're interested in uh, letting the relationship warm up a little bit. Wouldn't that be interesting? The next uh, couple of weeks should be fascinating to watch the tweets of Donald Trump. Well, it's always interesting to watch those tweets. Uh, Can't let you go without asking you your thoughts on the latest information in regard to Donald Trump and the Russian investigation and that uh, Mueller has now suggested that, in fact, he is under investigation. Uh, It's a a three-ring circus, and it's... I really don't know who to believe down there, but I do notice the one thing is that it, it uh, seems to be a very classic diversion from some of the things that a lot of people wanted Trump to investigate in the first place, which was some of the, the things that uh, Hillary Clinton had been up to, because um, that's right off the agenda right now. And, of course, you know, the, this whole struggle is whether or not there's anything to Russian involvement in the election, and that also may be Putin doing what he can to uh, undermine the credibility of uh, America's authority. Um, but it, it's also proved an excellent diversion from other issues, and it's chewing up Trump's uh, resources and his credibility and his time. Will they ever meet? They have to at some point or another. Yeah. be interesting to be a fly on the wall of that room. Well, as usual, the diplomats will probably have set may agreed on all the important things, and the leaders are just posing for a camera, and then quietly maybe ironing out one or two of the last details that uh, the diplomats couldn't quite meet eye to eye on. Considering what is happening with all of this Russian investigation of interference with the U.S. election, this has to be positioned very delicately on Trump's part, does it not? It does, and Putin has more freedom to act, and he's also got more experience. Uh, that's the other thing about Putin is that he's been doing his job now for just about 20 years, and he's good at it. Hmm. Um, so it, Trump might think that he's an excellent negotiator and a dealer, but uh, he hasn't got a patch on uh, making power work the, the way Putin has. John Thompson has been with a security consultant, Strategic Intelligence Group, talking about the news. Russian military officials uh, looking into the fact that uh, one of the main uh, leaders uh, of ISIS has been taken out. John, thank you for the time and insight. As always, much appreciated. You're welcome. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. An appeal has silenced the city's plans to allow music on patios outside for local bars and restaurants. Uh, of course, this was part of a two-year project, which was to allow uh, to allow amplified music, excuse me, on on patios uh, across the city. Of course, uh, still being within the city bylaw, uh, noise bylaw, and such. Uh, but an appeal filed to the Ontario Municipal Board on behalf of several North End residents. Uh, of course, has thrown a stick in the spokes of all of that. To talk about it, Herman Turkstra is with us, Turkstra Maz Associates, and with us now. Hello, Herman. How are you today? Just great, thank you. Thank you, you for taking the time to join us. You know, Herman, a lot of people are are, are thinking that this is, that Hamilton's becoming the city that fun forgot. What what's your concerns <laughs> here, and what is what is the uh, what's the concern of the uh, residents? Well, 
Uh, firstly, uh, this is an old issue. Uh, it was debated and discussed something like 50 years ago. And uh, in order to avoid conflict between neighbors and restaurants and bars, there was a total prohibition placed right across the whole city saying there will be no amplified or live music on patios. And the reason for that is that if you're living above or beside uh, a, a restaurant or a bar with a patio and you're starting to hear hip hop at, uh, at, uh, coming from the patio, there's going to be a conflict between neighbors, between the people who live. Does it matter if it's just? Does it just matter if it's hip hop, though? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Uh, it's it actually the, the probably the most sensitive thing is music that has a bass drum and a bass guitar mm-hmm. uh, playing uh, at, at maximum at maximum volume. But in any event, this the, the bylaw has been there for something like fifty years, and it resolved issues between places like Hess Village and the people who live in the apartments nearby and in a bunch of other places in the city. Um, all of this started when when the uh, Waterfront Trust, which, as you know, is a, a city organization, leased um, some property on Pier 8 mm-hmm. to, to a bar, Sarko, well-known. Um, and that uh, part of that um, arrangement was that Sarkoa built some facilities outside right. of it. Can we compare Sarkoa to a, ba- a patio, though, Herman, that's just playing yes. music that's below yes. 60 decibels? How can you? You can, easy. First of all, um, the, the people who live near Sarkoa have a very clear understanding of the city's approach to enforcement of its bylaws. Again, Herman, I'm not talking about Sarkoa. I'm no. talking about the patio in the inner city, right. you know. Exactly. I mean, like, for example, uh, Hamburger that has tweeted us and said, we would love to have that extra ambience on our patio at a respectable right. level, of course. Right. So why can't they do that? Um, I mean, I, I'm not denying that there's yeah. issues with Sarkoa and, no, and, 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 you know, music thumping at midnight and 1 a.m., right. but I don't think it's fair to compare the two here. Okay, Scott, tell me then why, uh, for example, is it prohibited in Toronto? Uh, why is it prohibited, for example, in Key West, a tourist town? Um, why is it prohibited in half a dozen cities and towns within 100 miles of Hamilton? And the reason for it is, is that it inevitably produces a conflict. Is it illegal in Toronto? Yes. I've never. Uh, so you, I've never you, heard you, music you on a patio in Toronto. You won't find live entertainment on a patio in Toronto. I'm not. Ta- oh man. I mean, uh, live entertainment is is, is a musician. With, what What about with a someone who's playing? What about someone who's playing uh, ambient music like they're suggesting here from this tweet from yeah. Hamburger? Right. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Um, the fact of the matter is that that probably gets done all the time and it's kept quiet and nobody bothers them and there's no complaints under the bylaw and life goes on. So the why can't we regulate this? Because um, you want to ask yourself, how do I regulate it? What do I do? Well, you keep the same way they're doing it now. You keep noise levels to a certain level. You don't let it exceed those levels. Right. And then what you do is you have it shut off at a certain time. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, I spent 10 right. years as a DJ playing weddings, banquets, bowling parties, hockey yep. parties. We dealt with this all the time. You yep. find a compromise. I don't understand what the problem is. Okay. Um, you, you, you live next door to the patio. The music is coming through the window into your bedroom. Um, you're a doctor who works on, and a, a nurse working the night shift. Is it any different than a car or a truck that's blowing yes. its horn going by your your, your, yes. your thing? I mean, we're living in the yes. city here. Yes, absolutely. Totally 100% different. 
Um, you have to be in a position, Scott, where you are forced to listen. It's called unwanted noise. You have to be forced to listen in your own home to noise going on for a long period of time, two hours, three hours, that you can't control and that is intruding into your living space. What would you say to those that say, welcome to the big city, Herman? Uh, I'd say, let's move down the road to Toronto and see if that works. Let's look at Key West. I mean, let's look at 100 cities that say, no, you can't have this conflict. What about Nashville? What about Austin, Texas? Well, I mean, come on, Herman. I mean, you know, you're going from one extreme to the other. Where's the happy medium? Where's the compromise here? Right. The happy medium is that uh, amplified and live music gets played indoors simple well that's for you like you you know you said earlier we resolved this issue well clearly it's not resolved it's resolved in your favor so you're happy but it's not resolved and it ain't going away herman that's the other thing like do you think do you think this is you're just delaying the inevitable here no um there's there's all kinds of issues with this for example scott the ministry of the environment says that the the appropriate level at the outside of a window of a residence is 50 decibels the city is going to try and force a 60 decibel. You have to believe that the city is, in fact, going to enforce this bylaw, and their track record is that they don't. So because so why don't we solve that issue as opposed to just killing it for everybody? Again, well, you know, being an attorney, Herman, I'm just surprised that there's no room for compromise here. Um, the, the issue has been resolved peacefully for 50 years. It worked. There was no problem. Yeah, with but that. it's not working. It's not working now, Herman, and you're no. fooling yourself to think that it is. Otherwise, what? you wouldn't have to have gone to the Ontario no. Municipal Board. No. If no. it was working, you wouldn't be there. No, Scott, this was not something that arose because of a group of people saying we need to have music on our patios. This arose because of Sarko. Pure, simple. Now, you know what? Again, I think you drawing drawing the comparison to Sarkoa is extremely unfair. And again, you're talking to guys like Hamburger, who's just tweeted me here. He's nothing like Sarkoa. That's not what they're trying to do at all. And, you know, you're fear-mongering, Herman, by comparing everybody to Sarkoa. No, I'm saying, no, no, Sarkoa is only important, Scott, because it demonstrated that the city won't enforce its bylaws. I don't have any beef with Sarkoa. They then why they would we with. have any bylaw on the books at all, Herman? They don't enforce any bylaws. Why have any of them on the books? Right. Like, honestly, Herman, I'm expecting yes. better arguments from a person in your position. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Explain to me, Scott, why it was necessary to put it in place and why it lived for 50 years without problems. The city's a lot different now, Herman, than it was it 50 is? years ago. No way. You don't. Th- you think it's the same city? It's well, well it's growing. It was there thirty years ago, forty years ago, fifty years ago. It was not changed. Same bar, same street, same. Uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't here fifty years ago, but I've been I here was. for the last twenty, and it certainly changed in the last twenty. So I don't yes. see how it could be the same in the last fifty. Well, it's gone back to where it was in the sixties and seventies. Is all that's happened, frankly. You've been here. You would have known it was a vibrant. Heavy-duty place, working fine. I'm not saying that it wasn't. I'm not denying. We we all know history. I'm sorry I'm not the same age as you, Herman, but we all know history. (laughs) But at the end of the day, uh, again, I just, you know, to me it sounds like you're putting your boots in and there's absolutely no compromise here, and I just don't see that as being a a solution. Okay. Uh, Restaurant and bar, after restaurant and bar, 
has lived with this bylaw by having its live musicians sitting inside their restaurant. Sometimes they open. We also lived without houses and out, you know, and all that other stuff. I mean, it's called progress. I mean, the fact of the matter is that you go to Ed Fisher's place on James Street North. He has bands in there on Friday and Saturday night. No problem with the people who live above him. No problem with the people who live next door. You know, uh, you know, I just came back from Italy a couple of years ago. And, right. you know, people are stacked up there like cordwood. And there's nice little outdoor cafes and people are playing. Yeah. What's the problem? By 11 o'clock, it's all shut down. Like, you again, know? you know, you're comparing all these cities. I think we can give you a longer list of cities where it is allowed. Okay. Well, then uh, you'll have to ask yourself, why is it, why is it prohibited in so many cities? What, I think because I think because there's activists like you who know how to wheel, uh, who know your way no, around the law no, no, and can no, get no, things no, like no, this no, to no, happen. No, I don't it think is, it's the it's, majority of the people. I really don't, Herman. What What you get? No, of course not. It's the minority of the people who have to live next to them. It's the people in the apartment above the restaurant. It's the people next door to the restaurant. And what the you know? Everybody you wanted a vibrant Hamilton, and now we have one, and well, it's like some are well, upset that, about it. So baloney! This is got nothing to do with vibrant Hamilton. I mean, what are you talking about, a vibrant Hamilton? It's craziness. There's music playing tonight everywhere you want to go. There's music, live music playing, recorded music playing in bars and restaurants right across the whole city. So why can't we do put it outside? So why can't we do that? Why can't we do that on a patio when it's 30 degrees outside? Okay, ask the people who live next to the court town whether they think it would be a good idea to have live and recorded music next to the, right next to their houses uh, playing you know, I think this come. You know, and I'm getting. I've got at least a half an emails in front of me right now that says, "What do you expect when you live downtown? What do you expect when you're living next to an establishment like this? Like that's that's city living." Yeah. Anyway, I got to let you run, Herman. I thank you very much for the uh, the commentary. I, I appreciate it and your position on this. Um, but again, I, I think this is one of those compromise situations. Let's bring in Paven Bratch. He is the owner of Radius uh, and on the line with us now. Oh, I'm sorry. He's in studio with us. I didn't know you were. I thought you were on the phone, Paven. Here, come here. Just have a seat. So, what are your thoughts on this, Paven? Uh, you know, uh, it, you know, it continues. Uh, where, where do you go with this? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get to hear Herman's comments, unfortunately. But um, he basically said it's been working for 50 years. So, what's the problem? Uh, yes. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I, I think. I think the dispute that that uh, is occurring down by the waterfront is a very different discussion. Yeah. Uh, it's really. And he seems to be drawing a comparison between the two. And his point was was that the city can't control this. So how they how can they control right. what you're talking right. about? Yeah. No. I mean, I think I think that's a fair concern. Um, and you know, Herman and I are friends, and he knows my father well as well. Um, I think that uh, there there have been issues, obviously, with Sarcoa and the neighborhood, with loud music being played. And I think. I think we have to understand that that's not only affected people uh, in the area around uh, Sarcoa, but also across to Burlington, et cetera. And I obviously don't want to get involved in that. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a it's an illegal dispute with the city. There are a lot of bylaw um, offenses and charges. A lot of moving parts there. A lot of moving parts. I think I think I think what's unfortunate is is that there are a number of restaurants like Radius. I mean, Radius, for example, has been voted the top patio in Hamilton. Just got named by. Uh, by the folks at Open Table as one of the top 100 patios in all of Canada and the only one cool. in Hamilton. Uh, we put a lot of work into creating a very quiet, peaceful, serene atmosphere, waterfall, you know, beautiful plants, um, you know, hopefully pleasant staff. It's And we like to play some background music. 
and and that's really all we're looking to do. And I think we've been caught up, and other folks like us have been caught up into this whole uh, discussion quite suddenly. And we knew there was an appeal, a possibility of appeal. And and I think you know the folks down by the lake have some real concerns and legitimate issues around what's happened to them. Um, but I think it's kind of unfortunate for for folks who don't want to to blast music at all, who want to you know serve locally grown food, uh, create a very pleasant and gentle atmosphere, introduce perhaps local artists, but again not at any volume. Mm-hmm. And so we're swept up in that whole thing. I mean the, yeah. the bylaws I understood it said that the noise could not exceed that of a conversation on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. and you know my family has been in that in the neighborhood of james and augusta for for 40 50 years we're not here to shake the windows and rattle and roll and all the rest of it as much as i love great music um you know we are there to provide a a very pleasant atmosphere so is this happening now and as long as everybody keeps it under, under control and no one complains you can get away with it I think I think it you know people are doing it if you walk on James Street North you, you you walk by the what was the Eaton Center you'll see a guy with a big giant speaker that's been playing music loud beautiful awesome Good reggae point. music for a long Good long point. time nobody stopped him I'm not picking on him I don't want no. to buy a lot of show up at his place I think people why you know, should we have yeah. the music in the in Gore Park why should there be yeah. you know why should you know I mean those are those are special event things I mean why do you know the, the one of the top restaurants in Burlington is the Martini House Burlington permits places like the Martini House to play ambient music and so we're really interested in the ambient music not the not the concerts right and I think that the, what I think is unfortunate I'm sure Herman would agree is that we're we're kind of being swept up in this because there are, they have concerns about how enforcement occurred before so uh, what are the guidelines, Pave, and what should be the guidelines? What, you know, what, where, where's the compromise here? And again, I think that's what surprises me in all of this is that it's no music as opposed to some sort of compromise. Right. You know, whether it's hours before 11 o'clock, this, yeah. that, and the other. I mean, isn't there a compromise yeah. here? I mean, without, without claiming to have read every detail of the, of the rules, I did meet with City Hall. And as I understand it, the compromise was actually I think they went too far on one side. I mean, they basically said that that the sound could not exceed that of a voice conversation like you and yeah. I are having right now right. Um, on on the sidewalk. Yeah. So that is almost um, almost at the very lowest that you could possibly put it on, and and I think that and the, and then on top of that, they've, the city has required us to get the opinion of an engineer and a stamp and a and it's 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 more permits that yeah. businesses who are now facing, you know, increased labor costs and and all kinds of new things that are coming down the pipe provincially that are going to put pressure on us. Uh, so we had to go and get an engineer and a sound engineer to approve our systems and set up. So I think the city was probably erred too far on the side of caution. And, and I think the concern that the folks down by the lake have is a completely different one. And I, and I don't disagree with what they've had to deal with. And, and obviously, that's a serious issue. So it looks like that's it for this summer. I mean, by the time this goes through and such. Yeah, I, as I understand it, again, the uh, the appeal period is there. Uh, I guess the folks have exercised their rights. And so I'm sure that's it. How do you think they're going to rule on all this? Any ideas that any... Is it going to the OMB or mm-hmm. where's it going? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, OMB, from what I understand, is it going to the OMB? Then, yeah, I mean that's a long process. So, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think that the rules that the, the the system that was being proposed was any different than what's operating today in Burlington. Unfortunately, a lot of Hamiltonians who want to hear nice music and enjoy a meal and a quiet glass of wine are going to move to go, go over to Burlington, perhaps to listen where they can hear music. Uh, 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 Herman was talking about how you know the Toronto doesn't allow this. There's lots of places that don't allow this. Yeah. What's your response to that? 
I, I don't know the rules in, in Toronto, and Herman's a lawyer and a very well-respected lawyer, um, so I don't know the laws there. I certainly know that in, in Burlington that this is the case. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. I mean, I sat on a patio yesterday yeah. with uh, with the Martini House guys. So I think, again, we have to separate rock concerts and loud, loud music from ambient ambient sound that's uh and it, those are two very different subjects and i and i i'm i'm a country dweller i completely understand the, the the importance of peace and quiet and i don't know that i would be interested in in loud concerts either uh are you surprised it's gotten this far well i think it's hot outside <laughs> 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 and i think people would rather be at a patio drinking sangrias but uh you know there's no music so yeah uh, it's uh, it what is, if uh, everybody just starts humming uh, i think that would be <laughs> Or start singing. Well, if you have, what if all of a sudden, <laughs> as long as they have a stamp permit uh, from a sound engineer, that's perfectly fine. Oh, yeah, well, maybe you should start, fine. you know, karaoke without yeah, uh, without I the screen, you know, just the screen with no without music. That. Well, we're going to have people plug into. It's their almost phones. like is it any different than Christmas carols? It's, I mean, it's, it'll be <laughs> it, it it certainly should not be illegal. <laughs> uh, do you think this is delaying the obvious? I mean, Hamilton's at a crossroads here. We're very much a renaissance. It's a city that, you know, I mean, yeah. you're in the business paving. I mean, five, five six years ago, yes. there was nowhere near no. the amount of restaurants no, that we, there are we, now. We were one of the first and yeah. uh, kind of kicked off the craze. Yeah. You know, um, I think uh, I think we have to get it, we have to distinguish between what what Herman's concerned about, which is a very real concern, and and I think maybe the the bylaw guys have have uh, they've tried to build in rules that prevent and prevent people from from having this happen again, where where it just blasted for for months and months at a time. But I think we've we're, we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, unfortunately. Uh, it's an interesting problem to have. Uh, and and it's not just in this scenario. It's all over the city. Uh, people, you know, for years were all hoping for growth, and now it's here. And whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. what's your take on all of that? How do we balance all I, this? How I do think, we manage it? I think city management is trying to, to to balance it in a lot of ways. I mean, we recognize that we have to have density. We can't keep sprawling. So mm-hmm. urbanization means we have to build taller, and sometimes that makes it noisier. Uh, but at the same time, you know, um, you know. So I think everybody's trying their level best to do it. I think that I think somebody has to win. Uh, the confidence of the folks like Herman uh, and and the important people that live in the north and near near uh, certain venues uh, that that enforcement is going to be in effect and it's going to really happen and I think maybe that maybe we can avoid a long you know kind of protracted discussion and and if we can't we can't I mean that's life. Can we enforce these bylaws? Can we monitor this? Can we make sure that it uh, you know yeah. it, it doesn't turn into New Year's every friggin' I, night? I think so. I mean um, I think I think it's easily done. Uh, I think it is done every day all business you know businesses have to comply and um, you know i think it, it's completely reasonable and otherwise we live in a lawless society and it, that's a problem where does this leave the pilot project for the city i mean uh and people in your industry i mean how contentious an issue is this i haven't had i haven't had a moment to chat with my my confreres in the business but certainly you know it is i'm sure it's going to be an issue for people who wanted to play the quiet background music you know that 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 didn't exceed the the, the very strict standards of the city has supported uh has put forward to us um i i don't know that a lot of organizations were were preparing as we you know we would have to to get a sound engineer and to get everything appro- approved and stamped etc so i think i think it leaves us uh with a quiet quieter city <laughs> maybe just the sound of how traffic. do we how do we get how do we get through supercrawl 
I oh. I think Supercrawl is going to be permitted. I don't think that's yeah. a different. That's a special yeah. event special permit. Event, yeah. yeah. So so I think they operate under different rules, and and so it just seems a little ironic, you it, know, that yeah. uh, you yeah. know we're allowing that, and yeah. yet we don't allow the ambience. Yeah. Yeah. For, no, you know, I, during the summer months. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, how do you handle this being a restaurateur and, and so is it just quiet on the patio or yeah, do, you, do you turn it on and just try to keep it really low and well, it's, you know, yeah, attention? Yeah, you know, it's quiet and you try and, and try and meet the needs that f- the folks have. We, as I said, we've put in a quiet waterfall. You yeah. can watch the birds having a bath and, you know, <laughs> it, you know, James South and Augusta is a really quiet part of town except for the occasional bus going up the hill. And so, uh, you know, we just, we just try and, you know, respect the rules. You better keep those birds down. <laughs> Don't let easy. them make too it's, much noise. It's not easy. Payman Branch has been Thanks. with us, owner of Radius. Tell everybody where you are. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're James Street South in Augusta and uh, just next to the Hunter Street Go Station. We've been there for about five years and we're having lots of fun, growing lots of stuff at the farm, Scott. Beautiful. You've got to come and visit and us. We've, it got, out. we've got people working away at the farm, bringing food in. That's and great, so eh? it's pretty exciting. Your yeah. thoughts on the industry in the city it's in the last year or two? The industry in the city, I mean, we're excited to be joined by so many fabulous restaurants. Yeah. It's exciting times. Uh, not good for the for the waste, uh, but, but, but great great on the tongue. I mean, it's exciting times. I've got to be I've got to be frank with you. Uh, some of the rules that are being proposed by the province are gonna are gonna impact a lot mm. of restaurants, um, and you know that's a whole show. And yeah. I'd be happy to come back. But uh, you know it, we're not opposed to living wages and for for, for salaries to grow, et cetera. But unfortunately, uh, you know you've got you know you've got a lot of new pressures that are going to come on a lot of restaurants, and I think it's going to result between high rent costs uh, and the need to increase prices dramatically just to survive the new the new the new levels I think it's going to be a problem especially with folks that are that are making a lot of tips I mean their their minimum wage is going to go up as well so we have to we have to find a balance again uh, and look at that but a lot of restaurants will be under pressure in the next uh, 12 to 24 months Paven Bratch has been with us owner of radius and talking about patio music thanks Paven thanks Good so luck. much Scott great to see you you're listening to the Scott Thompson show weekdays from noon to three on am 900 CHML Great day, summer, and a great time for the Sound of Music uh, Festival in Burlington, obviously continuing this weekend. Headlining act on the uh, TD stage tonight, of course, is USS. And joining us in studio now is Jason Human Kebab Parsons, turntablist with USS. Great to have you here. Ash on the way in, I understand. Yes. Stuck in traffic. Totally. So he'll be here probably yep. just as the interview. Oh! oh! He's dead. Have a seat. Doesn't matter. Just grab one of those and yeah. uh, pull it. Here, uh, take some AKGs, bro. Yeah, yeah. These are actually funny enough. These are the headphones that um, when Ash was uh, making our first EP, he used these. Is that right? Bar. Now uh, his probably worked though. Those may only have one. Uh, yeah, one, one channel yeah. working. You know, it's yeah. just the way it is. So, uh, are you stressed out after the drive and all that other stuff, Ash? Welcome in here, by the way. Uh, no, I'm quite reflective, actually. <laughs> You had lots of time to think. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about my answer to how are you at Sport Check last night. What happened? Well, the lady asked me how I was, and I paused, and I said, I'm... I'm Paris. happy now? I, I have said, new I'm, shoes? No, I said, I'm pears, peaches, and pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the reaction? And and she just, uh, she went to say, that's nice, and she stopped herself, and then said, go on. Wow. You and had her. I Well, I explained to her that... Um, that I was feeling a bit more like pears today, but I couldn't deny the presence of peaches and that there were some pineapples off in the horizon. <laughs> you should have been a part of this. Yeah. <laughs> little, you know. <laughs> no, I just got a little tick when he was doing it. It's sort of Somewhere the, in Toronto. Like Is that fruit. what happens? Like like a, 
like a fruit cocktail philosophy on life. That's you know? it. No matter where you are, you're just reacting it's to like, what each it's other like say. Twins. Yeah, yeah that's mean? very like you cool. Just feel yeah. the you feel the brilliance. Yeah, one rolls over, the other one does too. That's that sort of thing. All yeah. right. So let's talk about. I, I didn't realize actually, you guys are from uh, Markham and Stouffville. I grew up in Markham, which is hilarious. Uh, probably though many years after you guys. How did you guys actually get together? So um, there's a golf course in Markham that you may have heard of called Angus Glen yeah. Golf Club, which yeah. which at the time was the number one public golf course yeah. in Canada. Yeah. And so this is actually the funny part of the story. So I graduated from Trent University in Peterborough with all these hopes of the great corporate job downtown Toronto overlooking the lake. Meanwhile, Ash was at music college, drops out. What happens? University graduate can't get a job. Goes back to his old job. Ash wants to reintegrate himself socially. Goes to the same place. <laughs> reintegrate him socially. Yeah. So, seriously? Yeah, it's the classic yeah. university graduate college dropout, <laughs> you know, Cinderella story. <laughs> so, did you did you plan on any of this? Like, how? At what point do you? Well, I'm getting ahead of myself here. So, you're at the golf course. What happens? Um, so we were loading a beer fridge with our friend James, who was a bartender. Actually, my first friend from kindergarten. And so I think what happened, what actually, this is funny. We've never really actually told this story. I think what happened was, is when the door was open on the fridge, Ash was talking to James because they're old friends. I'm one of James's new friends. And he's like, oh, you got to meet Parsons, man. That's literally how he talks. Yeah. You got to meet him, man. He's like crazy DJ guy. And then Ash is like, yeah, I heard about you, man. And he starts saying all his peaches and pears and apple stuff. <laughs> and we're loading 50 into the fridge. Ah. So James actually brought us together. Yeah. I I think I was telling Jay, I had been in bands since I was like 15. Yeah. I was in, I was really into sports as a kid. I got really sick. And then my mom said, you need to, you need to keep being involved in things. So she said, why don't you try out for a play? Mm. So then I got into the musical at my high school, uh, to replace sports. Right. And, um, the play just happened to be a musical. Yeah. And so it started from there. Is that Markham District High School? That was uh, Brother Andre. Right. Cool. Who is now Saint Brother Andre. You can see where they chiseled no the way. saint in. Yeah, they found the third miracle. <laughs> <laughs> way to go. That's beautiful. Um, so it's going to take a couple of years to sort of get the chiseled saint to sort of settle in. But oh, these man. things take time. But yeah, so the moral of the beautiful, wonderful, magical story is, in fact, that um, at the time I was playing acoustic mid-90s hip-hop covers on my guitar as I ebbed and flowed through different styles of music. So how does musician uh, who's dropped out and business student who's come together as DJ, how do you meld those two things? Um, basically, Ash, um, Ash and I both played a show at the Drake Hotel downtown Toronto around the time that we met. And right away when I saw him perform and heard his songs and heard the melodies and watched how he performed, I was like, okay, there's something really special happening here that I almost feel like I know, but I don't know. It's like a Salvador Dali meets Nirvana kind of thing. Well, that's what I'm thinking here. I mean, yeah. you're talking DJ who meets guy who's doing acoustic stuff. Uh, it just seems to be coming from two different points of view. But I mean, again, it was like that whole thing where it's two guys that will give up everything to try to explore this world of music and, and just travel and make people happy with songs and and... What's the easiest way to do it? Turntables, acoustic. Like we could do it at a campfire. He plays acoustic sings, I beatbox. We're like the entertainment for the evening. Well, it also sort of, um, you know, I believe in the um, send it out there, bring it back, give and it will come back to you kind of mentality. 
and uh, uh, in the '90s, this the, the grunge music happened, yeah, yeah. and drum and bass music happened. The rave scene happened, but mm-hmm. they happened independent of each other. And I always wanted to hear it mixed together. Like I heard Nirvana unplugged out, saw that concert, heard that. Is album that the inspiration? Times. So I'd heard it, and I always wanted to hear them mixed together. Uh, so then I'm, uh, you know, when you meet a DJ, a DJ, you know, a band is very limited in terms of guitar, bass, drums, singing. Mm-hmm. A DJ is pretty much has just this infinite palette of oper- of creative opportunity. Right. And I was like, wow, I've been in bands my whole life. Here's this opportunity to just like, just take a cute and make it obtuse and just. It's amazing though because for years DJs and music was very er, musicians were very very different and didn't cross over for the longest yeah. time, and now here two guys coming together to actually create music that way. Yeah, yeah, because DJ culture outside of hip hop, um, let's just say let's call it like '90s rave music, yeah, if you will. Um, it was just mainly about the beats and the synths being carried by the melody. It was very, like, esoteric. Like, it was mm-hmm. like you just dance in your own quadrant. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, Oasis plays and everybody's singing Wonderwall. But yeah, that, yeah, we, yeah. Found, we found that, you know, the divide was is that a, a certain sect of... Of uh, of humanity needs an, a melodic anchor. Hmm. You need no. a you need a and maybe you're gonna be the one. You know, <laughs> just doesn't quite you know hit you in the sweet spot. Cottage life. You know, <laughs> I, I I happen to be a person who, without the use of narcotics, could just lo- just likes to lock into things. So I love electronic music because it just tunes me right in, dials me right in. So um, I lo- so I love both. Yeah. So it was just sort of that like. Hey, let's give let's give them the ocean and the anchor. And it's like, yeah. So, at what point did you guys realize you were onto something? That well, actually, it's interesting. Uh, a friend of mine, a Scottish friend of mine, um, he said to us, and uh, he said, "You know what? Uh, I dare you guys to record your best song. Not an album, not an EP. Record your best song. Give it to every single person in Toronto that is involved with music. And if it doesn't," get onto the radio or make a splash, then go back to school and take something else. And we took his dare. And, uh, Jason, what happened? <laughs> what happened when that, when we did that? Statistically, it's <laughs> remarkable because the first song we ever recorded got added to the radio. It got to number two on 102.1. We and then we were, and yeah, bank and steal. Yeah, we backboard uh, and steal from our Does friends. this give you an artificial sense of what the music business is all, ar- all about when that happens? More like, more like what, if your intention is pure and it's like you believe in something so much and you just, you, and just you're excited about it yeah. and you just take a chance. Well, and there's such a sweet spot to the creative soul in that if there's just this sweet spot of just like uh, of, of vision and insanity and it's like like to finish things, to not just yeah. And so in this scenario, it was like someone dared us to follow through. You know what I mean? And I, I read that about a writer. He said the difference between a good writer and a bad writer is a good writer just writes things down. Just keeps going. <laughs> just keeps going towards the light. Yeah. What – did you have any idea it would be as successful as it as it? Well, was? I mean like in Especially high school I was song. voted like most likely to be on your kid's wall on a poster. 
but the issue yeah but every there's always one of those in no no and i know that but the the fundamental issue was and this Mm. is something that where it was like you know i was like signing yearbooks at school that's all good and wonderful except i've i always felt like a kid with a fire hose just out of control flying everywhere and it's just felt like it's just been dialing that in just turning the valve down Aiming the fire hose. Aiming it, understanding the physics, and then slowly turning it back up again. But it, but in actuality, like with when we did our first EP and we were playing shows, we were just excited at the prospect of people wanting us to come and play the shows and organically building a fan base. Was it more of a live thing for you guys at the beginning yes, than it was so, anything? Well, li- especially being a DJ. Yes, live, but also like very proud of what we recorded and what mm-hmm. we put out and. Um, um, it was any opportunity we got to be in front of people was what we cared about the most. Mm-hmm. We didn't even really think about radio at all. Yeah. So when it happened, um, it was almost a blessing that we weren't prepared for it because there was no preparation. We mm. were just ready it to happened. enter we into had, the We actual. had actually uh, been spinning our tires. And when it when that went down, because a radio DJ at the edge heard the song off a CDR at like a house party, hmm. like kind of that thing. Yeah. Uh, wow, that goes almost back to the early days. Yeah, I was, yeah I was. I was. That never happened. I was yeah, on yeah. a retreat in Texas meditating, and Jay was working in the oil fields, and we both got the call that we needed to come home because uh, something was happening here. <laughs> so how, <laughs> how do you do? You want to come in and decode? You could if you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what? <laughs> uh, how do you balance the production element of this recording, laying it all down, and then transforming that onto a stage, especially when there's recorded things involved and yeah. you're blending these two <clears throat> genres together? How difficult is the production aspect to the live aspect? That's where we took the cue from hip-hop music, where you always ha- you had the DJ and the MC. Mm-hmm. So Jay used to call us public enemy at a motivational seminar (laughs) (laughs) and jay was very also you guys describe more of what you're not than what you are (laughs) (laughs) well i mean it's just like the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon that's right yeah somewhere up it's because we have a great publicist (laughs) is that what it is (laughs) so what are you guys like on a personal level when you're not music you seem like you're very much opposites yet drawn together by this are you opposites oh absolutely like classic, we'll use the word classic again. Like introvert, extrovert. Um, how do you balance that? I think that's the, how do you get along. I think or is that, that how you get that's along? That's the beauty of it. Is that like uh, in any relationship, whether personal or professional, um, probably the the best ones are the ones where you respect each other's differences and qualities and skills as a result, and um, you can sort of come and go as you please, but then completely merged together as one like Voltron. How do you not hold on to your own identities in, in, in fear losing your own identities while you venture out into each other's space? Or, or do you really know what this is going to become when you start? Wow. No, I don't think so. But I don't, I don't, for us, I don't think that's really the point. Like for us, it's continuing to appreciate every moment as it unravels and being completely um, perplexed and at the same time, like, surprised by the outcomes. So when, you you know, someone dares you to record a song, you record the song and look what happens. 
how do you follow that up? How do you, and, and does that put pressure on you? I mean, you know, two happy-go-lucky guys that find this magic, off you go. Happy-go-lucky guy. And then, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, the pineapples are new to me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you go from discovering this quite naturally, and now all of a sudden, you know, the pressure's on you. You, you know, you've got people's attention. Uh, money's involved here. Uh, we both came from sports, believe it or not. Uh, Jason was a basketball player, and I play, was a hockey player and a football player. So uh, performance, execution, preparation, discipline, and pressure were all a part of our training, almost our early life training to prepare us for this. Hmm. Uh, there's an incredible and, and that's w- the way that I've been able to look back at things and say like wow was a map ever set out to prepare us to do this where it was Jason immediately said when he met me he said and I felt the same way he said you're the message and I'm the messenger mm-hmm. and I said oh man yeah we do we ever need each other and and so we saw the symbioticness in that there's a Gord Downey quote and he said uh, all I'm trying to do is find the balance between the practical and the mystical and there's this it's what's happening right now as we're recording these new songs that are coming out it's 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 that incredible sweet spot are you worried this feeling will disappear are you worried that because it sounds like it's like Disney. Well, we just Every got through the ten. We just got through the ten year phase point in our relationship. Yeah. So when I hear when a marriage gets past the ten year That's point, right. you're you like seven year itch. You've done well. Yeah, yeah you're you're doing <laughs> like, well. I'll tell you why. No, it's never going to run out uh, because we'll be backstage at a festival, and it's funny because everybody always expects, or at least in our dynamic, they expect. You know, I'm the social guy, so I'm going to meet all the band guys, right? But it's hilarious because more often than not, he ends up. With the guy that you would think is unattainable. Like, we were at Sonic Boom in Edmonton in 09. I look over and he's with Ben Koalowitz and Billy Talent. And I'm like, how do they meet? Because yeah, Ben's like, I heard he's. I'm saying, how do you guys meet? Yeah, right. So, you know. But then, but then uh, throw to another, to the Casby Awards up in Toronto like six years ago. Um, I look over. Ash is explaining, uh, he's uh, telling the guitar player from Sam Roberts' band about this dental hygienist that he's interested in. And he's like, keep me updated, man. Keep me posted. Think about, think about going to, like, you have to get your teeth cleaned. And someone is a foot away from you. Yeah, yeah. For like three hours. Yeah, and it's love if, uh, you know, they go beyond that. Yeah, when you think about it. Well, you know that laughter when you're a kid in school and you have to hold it in? Yeah. It was that kind of... Ash, what do you when, when, when You're Ash, spitting all over your hygienist, <laughs> wouldn't you? So, so when Ash went to this dentist, I, I love how this went from Ben Koalowitz to Sam Roberts yeah. to now we're talking about a dentist. No, but hygienist. I'm just trying to keep up, man. It's amazing. So this is why we're not surprised that we don't think it's going to run out. But I, like, I'll, I'll just end the dental hygienist point, and unless Ash has something to add to it, where apparently when he was in the chair that day um, with this uh, quote-unquote dental hygienist, he said to her... And this is just a window into Ash's everyday meanderings. Uh, he said, if a troll crawled along the floor past you and looked up at you and went, shh, would you tell anyone? <laughs> and so what, what, the, hap- what and happened what is... the reaction? Well, what happened is, is... Other than like a retriever, you know, with the ears up and the head tilted. She was in. <laughs> she actually brushed her hair away from her neck, which let me know physiologically that <laughs> oh, she was allowing right. herself wow. to be vulnerable. Wow. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> this has gotten awful hot and steamy all of a sudden, hasn't it? Um, from what I understand from speaking with my mother, it's, it's great to under, uh, ask your parents questions about when you were a kid. She said that I didn't sleep 
so I feel like the lack of REM sleep created a recoil, which made my waking life much more lucid. So one of the reasons why Jason and I's relationship never tires is just based on the lucidity of like, because what we talk Do you sleep about, well now. I'm I'm learning how to sleep but sleep a little more, a little more. How but, do you learn how to sleep? Um, standing or lying down? <laughs> just just um, um, well, acupuncture is very helpful. Mm. Acupuncture helps, and uh, some various other uh, exercises. But what's more important here is okay. Imagine uh, like five guitars set up. And uh, five dog owners. This is so dumb. And <laughs> various kinds of dogs. And they there's a way you can tune a guitar so that it will play a chord when you just strum all the strings. So yeah. you don't need to know how to play the guitar. It's actually a really good – if you have a little kid that plays a guitar, find an open tuning so that when they just play the strings, it plays a nice chord. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice way to just yeah. sort of get the feel. Like really sure. young kids with toy guitars. Yeah. Do it – tune my friend's kids' guitars like that all the time. Anyhow – you have the guitars lined up, and then you bring the dogs up in front of the guitar, and you go, you want to go for a walk? You want to go for a walk? And they wa- their tail will wag and start playing the guitar, right? And they don't even know. The dogs won't even know they're in a band. Then you bring the next dog in in front of the next guitar, which is like harmonically tuned to go with the other chord. And you want to go for a walk? You want to go? And then and then you get a banjo, a, a mandolin, yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 Harp. you can get some Middle Eastern instruments. You get a sitar, some type of, and then you have this dog tail band. And the dogs don't even know they're in a band. So when are you going to incorporate this in some way? <clears throat> this is more to answer your question. Will it ever <laughs> run out? <laughs> how do you? Uh, last question. How do you handle the business side of this? Economics major. There you go. That's it. <laughs> no, um, we, we've that, definitely... That's education <laughs> yeah. came in handy. Yeah, Message exactly. and messenger. No, we, we've honestly, um, like most uh, small business owners, um, we've really become accustomed to... That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, like and, it's, and it's just like picking up the skills as you go along and you know you hire a business manager. But at the same time, like Ash and I both have had to learn the hard way at times, but it just keeps it fun and interesting. It's like, oh yeah, wow, and then this is happening. As long as the CRA isn't calling you, you're good to go, Hamilton. All right. Well, we're, uh, timeline. A year from now, what's going on? You've been doing this for 10 years. You're just going to keep doing it? What, what's the goals? What are your goals now? How do you look at this now 10 years later? Well, I just found my grandfather's tap dancing shoes in a storage locker. And wow. again, back to full circle the Cinderella. Uh, they fit me perfectly. <laughs> full circle the Cinderella. So And knows? so tap dancing to EDM music as a part of our band. It's, you know, just new things. You do not want to miss the show <laughs> coming up at the TD Stage tonight, Sound of Music Festival. Cause, can we see the shoes tonight? No, this is, this is, this is moving into the future. Ah. But. Yeah, he didn't break them. <laughs> Jay, you look a little concerned here. <laughs> That's the first time I've seen you without a smile on your face all interview. You honestly seem seriously perplexed. You okay? My head is blown apart. All right. Me. Ashley, Jason here from, of course, USS. Tonight, TD Stage 930 Sound of Music Festival in Burlington. Enjoy. Pleasure. Thanks so much for coming in. Appreciate it. Good luck. Amen. Thank you greatly. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.